Welcome all to the Talking About Life podcast. Hello, konnichiwa and bienvenidos. I am your host, Ian Lepkowski, a.k.a. Kowski on Twitter uh, and other platforms. Today, we have another guest. We always like to be grateful and thank God, thank the universe that we make these connections and have these guests coming on the show, uh, giving us their time. So we're thankful for our guest and we're thankful for his time today. Today, our guest is Rob. Uh, Rob is a part-time investor. On Twitter, he is at InvestingRob. His bio reads, Military to Millionaire, creating a financial community on my journey. I tweet personal finance and real estate. And also, he is a at VFriends Series 2 holder. Rob, uh, and just so the audience knows, this is our first conversation. There's no rules. It's just talking about guest passions. And often it leads to, you know, entrepreneurship, sometimes religion, lifestyle, positivity. But like I said, it's really no rules other than keep it passionate, keep it positive. But Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up, brother? Uh, Thank you for inviting me uh, to this space. I am extremely grateful for the opportunity to talk uh, about myself, my passions and, you know, whatever we uh, get into. Great. I'm happy to uh, have you here today. And then one uh, other message to the listeners, if you could just like and retweet the space, if you are you know, listening on Twitter, that's appreciated. Also on Anchor, Spotify, uh, and Apple Podcasts. So Rob, like I said, the uh, focus of the show is about passions. Uh, what kind of catches my interest first here is military to millionaire. You know, it's the first thing on your bio. It's what you're leading with. And, uh, you know, it's what's captured my attention, of course. So do you want to just, you know, however long or short you want to keep it, but do you want to explain a little bit uh, first, if you don't mind, about why you chose to go into the military and kind of where you ended up and a little bit about what that experience was like and then how that led to Millionaire? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So me joining the military, uh, first of all, kind of dates back to my my childhood, uh, my dad, my dad, he was, um, he was an army. He was a, uh, army ranger. He was also special forces, uh, more specifically during the Vietnam era. Uh, his experiences, his challenges, uh, like stuff that he went through, uh, he would share stories, uh, you know, and talk about like his time in the army. So that right there just kind of shaped my outlook on, uh, being in the military, and also as well, like when I was younger, uh, what I was like one of the few things I was good at in school was uh, geography and uh, and um, in history, and those became like some of my passions. Uh, more specifically, in history, I'm I'm talking about like uh, military warfare uh, during like all like during antiquity. Yeah during like the medieval, medieval ages and like so forth. So all of that combined kind of like helped me, like helped drive me to join the military. Um, so like I'm originally from Tampa, Florida, born and raised. I went to the University of South Florida for five years and then after graduating, I graduated during uh, the 2007, 2008, financial crisis here in the United States. I don't know if uh, you remember that, but it was pretty hard getting jobs. 
So my passion. Real, was... real quick, real quick on timeline here. Um, college was before or after military? Oh, it was before the military. So right and after you, high sorry, school. You graduated with a degree in what? International studies. Okay, cool. Awesome. So go on. Yeah, uh, so I graduated with my bachelor's degree in international studies in 2009. Um, and like I said, with all that stuff going on uh, in the world, plus like my background, I, it helped me push uh, joining the military, more specifically uh, United States Navy. Uh, when I when I joined the Navy, I originally wanted to be like a uh, uh, like a gunner's mate or something like that, just handling like weapons and such, but I sorry, I what was I that called, term? Uh, gunner's mate. GM. A gunner's what? Gunner's mate. Got it. Yeah. And that is um, describe that again one more time. I'm I'm just learning here a little bit. I'm uh, I don't know a ton about the military. Oh yeah, I, I could talk about military for hours, but <laughs> yeah. So gunners mate, they handle like, all sorts of weapons, weapon systems uh, throughout our throughout our navy. Uh, that's what I originally wanted, but I ended up picking a job called Cryptologic Technician Technical. Uh, and the best way to describe a CTT is we dealt with, uh, we were a part of the intelligence community as a whole, and we primarily dealt with uh, electronic intelligence. Electronic intelligence is the, uh, it is non uh, it is foreign non-communication. So think about radar. If you ever like see a movie, and you see somebody's like looking at a screen that uh, like an airplane is uh, is coming towards them or like leaving an airport or something along the lines. Like that's what I kind of like to translate my what my job was doing. Uh, just basically handling classified uh, like classified documents uh, and just being an intelligence community. Um, from there, um, once I joined the Navy in 2009 and with that job, uh, in 2011, transitioned to my first duty station at VQ1 in Whidbey Island, Washington State. Uh, that's where I started getting my real experience and going on deployment to the Middle East in the desert. Uh, let me tell you right now, it's, uh... <laughs> After years of like seeing like so much propaganda and such about like you know Middle Easterns and stuff like that, I uh, uh, I was definitely um, intrigued to see like everything going on. Um, and then from there, I did multiple deployments out of there, um, reenlisted um, back in 2014. Right afterwards, I went to go work for NSA. Um, one thing I want to say about the NSA, like so many people are freaked out and talk about, oh, NSA is listening to my conversations. Look here, we do not have the manpower or the want to listen to anybody's conversations. And also it's extremely illegal. <laughs> Don't let um, the movies and media like try to make you think NSA is like listening on you. Like we, we just don't have the resources to let listen me, to let our me own ask you people. This. My understanding was it's illegal for, like, a common citizen, but certain circumstances do make it legal. Like, if you're someone who is, like, a known terrorist or um, suspected terrorist or under a certain, like, watch list or classification, 
they can is that not true or yeah so they're so uh this rule it, it's called uh i'm trying to think of it right now like spoo 18 and that pretty much delineates like who is a u.s citizen um and like like why we cannot collect on like u.s citizen and it's based off uh, uh what was it the fourth amendment and um anyway it delineates like who we can and who we can't collect on we cannot collect on u.s citizens however like you were just saying, if there is like a, if there is someone who is suspected to be a terrorist or something along the lines or helping the bad guy, you have to go through a series of, um, like a series of, what I'm trying to think of, checks and balances, maybe. Check, yeah, there you go, checks and balances, uh, in order to be able to collect on that, uh, that individual. It's not like oh. Like, yeah, go right ahead. It's it, it can take uh, quite a while. Like we like we can get hammered for even like talking about collecting on uh, U.S. citizens. Right. So, so to an- to answer your question, we we can't. No one's listening. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, but yeah, just ultimately to answer your question. Yes, you can, but you have to go through a bunch of check and balances. Yeah, I think that's uh, good for you to let people know. Let me roll back for one second with you. Um, what made you want to switch? Like, like after having all that, like, kind of build up and your expectation and your goal was uh, gunner mate, what, what ended up, you know, being the catalyst for that change? Uh, you go from a gunner's mate to a CTT, uh, intelligence community. Um it's primarily like what I qualify for. I apparently I didn't qualify for the handle guns and weapon systems and stuff like that. So I didn't qualify. So my recruiter what, was like, why? Hey, you know what? I, I, you know, I don't, I guess it was my ASVAB score. It, it could be that. Like I just didn't qualify. Do you uh, think I it's that a... like, do you think or know if it's that you didn't qualify to be a gunner's mate or that based on your results, like, I don't know, like, you know, CTT, it sounds like, I don't know, high intelligence. And, like, maybe they thought, like, you were too smart. Like, I don't don't want to insult anyone who's a gunner's mate. Maybe I don't want to say too smart, but maybe they thought your talents were better used with the other thing, even if you were qualified, or they definitely said, no, you're not. I never thought about it, to be honest with you. But it could be either or, to be honest with you. Um, It could be. I would would bet you were overqualified or qualified for the other thing if I had to guess unless you know unless you know like you know you felt something on the physical because I don't know I'm thinking it's gunners thing is physical things unless you're like oh yeah like this is really low um I would think you would qualify so I, I would think you probably qualified for both and they want to do this more but yeah I guess who knows but I mean that's just my thought yeah, could be. Um, I'm actually pretty happy I got the job that I got because I have a top secret SCI clearance. It's like the highest you can get. Uh, there's a little bit more, but I'm not even aware of them. But the jobs that I can get after I retire from the military are very plentiful. Um, and it could be – I was just talking to this one guy uh, who was working at the NSA. He was a uh, – 
he was a cleaner. Like, you know, he picked up like garbage and stuff like that. And the only way he was allowed to be on the watch floor was because he has a TS clearance. So in order for him to be able to get on the watch floor, he had that he needed that TS clearance and they paid him extra. So if you think somebody who's like a garbage man or cleaner or something like that, like no disrespect or anything, uh, you know, they get paid like maybe 50, 60 grand. He was getting paid like, uh, I'm going to say like between 80 and 90. I don't remember specifically. So I'm, I'm really thankful that I got this job because the uh, security clearance definitely comes in handy after he retired from the military. And you keep that clearance? That's like a lifetime thing? It is not a lifetime thing. You have to re-up for it every five years as long as, as you have a need to have it. And if you start, if, like after I retire, if I go work for a contracting gig or for the, you know, just for the government and I need that security clearance, then I can just continuously to re-up for it. So as long as like you're employed in the field, you keep it basically and then you pass the exam. Like a continuing like yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's not like an exam. They just do a background check on you. Uh, they ask like some of your acquaintances. They uh, look at like how much money, like how much debt you have, like some of the assets you have. They want to make sure that you don't have any foreign assets. You know, like if you have like a house in China or something like that. So they just do uh, an entire background check on you. Interesting. So it's it's not like something you have to pass. It's just like they just want to really make sure that, I guess, kind of you are who you say you are and you're doing what you said you're doing. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um, and they, they do also do like polygraphs as well where they ask you questions uh, like, oh, hey, have you ever lied to your a loved one? It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever like damaged like, you know, uh, government property. It's like, no. It's like, are, are you a terrorist? You know, stuff like that. So polygraphs just ask you uh, like questions about like uh, some of the stuff that you've done throughout your career. Uh, and that goes along with the getting your security clearance. Uh, but uh, I guess like anyway, like moving on. Um, so, like I like I was just saying, like uh, I worked for NSA, and then after NSA, I did uh, various jobs like throughout the Navy, and now I'm here in uh, uh, like 30 minutes from Reno and Fernley. Um, I live actually pretty close to Marshall. You know, you know Marshall, right? Uh, Marshall Law. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we live like pretty close to each other. <laughs> we just found that out like recently. You said Reno, like Reno, Nevada? Yeah, Reno, Nevada. Oh, yep. word, cool. Yeah. But yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so that's just like, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's just like my uh, my background in the military. Yeah, so here's what, so yeah. you're uh, still working in the NSA now or, or like there's kind of more to the story after that? Uh, yeah, there's more story after that. So right now, I work at NES Fallon. Uh, have you have you seen the movie Top Gun? Yeah, I've, uh, I didn't see the new one. I had seen the original. Well, Top Gun, the movie, it likes to make you think that Top Gun is somewhere in California. It's actually not. It's actually in the middle of the desert in northwest Nevada. 
So I I work on the same base as Top Gun. Oh, that's fucking dope. That's like a cool little uh <laughs> Uh, like accolade kind of thing or cool thing to tell people. I would feel pretty dope if I uh, worked at the same base. It was in a fucking incredibly popular movie. Yeah, man, yeah but those, those guys are not that cool. I'm just joking. <laughs> the real ones are the ones from the But movie? yeah, so that's that's uh, the one, the real ones. They're, they're not that cool. They're, they're all right. <laughs> Navy's better, right? Yeah, yeah. Got to rep. No, they're Navy. They're Navy. They're Navy. They're Navy. Oh, uh, that's not Air Force? Nope, it's Navy. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> like like I said, I don't know uh, a ton about the military, but gotcha. Okay, so sorry I keep cutting you off here. Uh, so you said where do you work now? Uh, oh, sir, sorry. Uh, Duh, you just yeah. said you work at the base. Okay, so what do you what do you do there? Sorry, that's what I meant to ask. Oh, uh, I do a lot of. Uh, so I'm my my pay grade is E seven. I'm a chief. Uh, my primary job right now is like a mid-level manager, making sure things work in our shop and uh, making sure that the instructors are, they need to be where they need to be, make sure they get their, make sure, can I cuss on here, by the way? Say that again? Can I cuss? Yeah, I'm fuck. Okay, cool. <laughs> make sure they get their shit together, you know what I mean? Uh, so that's that's my primary job at the moment. Uh, so something I, uh, like while being in the military, something that kind of, uh, helped me want to, uh, that helped me create my bio and kind of want me to push me to join the military is that as you guys know that the Navy doesn't, or the military, they do not pay their enlisted a lot. Right. So knowing that I, uh, back in 2017, I, not 2017, but in 2016, I read the book uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad." Uh, have you guys uh, heard of it? Robert Kiyosaki, correct? Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. Read that. Put it on Audible. And, yeah, it's an amazing book, right? They teach you. They talk about how much, like, if, like, like about assets and like liabilities and how anything that's an asset puts money in your pocket and liabilities take money out of your pocket. After reading that book, I looked around my house, my townhouse at the time in Denver, Colorado. I looked around and I'm like, I have nothing but like liabilities in my house. And from then, I was just on this path and I just made it my passion to talk about like personal finance and like financial literacy. It's one of the most important things that's happening in our our culture and our country right now uh, due to the fact that so many, so many people thought the American dream was like the big expensive car, the big expensive house and uh, you know, just buying like this crazy like nonsense, jewelry shoes, like whatever you think. But now you're starting to see people think, oh no, like economic and financial freedom. That is the American dream. That is the path to go towards. So one of my passions is just to continuously to talk and teach about that. And um, just going back to the book and being in the military, I realized, like, man, the military really does not get paid uh, that much. So what I wanted to do is save as much as I can and, you know, decrease my expenses and then, like, just invest the rest. Um, Because, you know, one day I'm going to put up the, you know, put up my uniform and the last thing I want to do is just, you know, 
be completely dependent on having a job again. I want to have some type of financial freedom, you know? Yeah, of course. And, I, I agree with you entirely that the dream is financial freedom, uh, not just like having stuff on your credit card and, you know, fronting and having all these material possessions, um, you know, that you can't afford kind of thing. It's either being able to afford those things or being able to travel or spend more time with your family. It's, you know, financial freedom is really personal freedom of, you know, how you spend your time. So yeah, that that's the dream, right? To be able to literally just do what you want when you want to do it in terms of finances. You know, obviously, you know, there's things, laws, but you know what I'm saying? Like that, of course, is the dream. Um, and I want to make sure I'm getting the story correct here. So the uh, military to millionaire, the millionaire aspect of it, um, you said the military didn't really pay you that much. Uh, you know, you had to save up. So where does the millionaire part come from? Like, it, did you just save your way to being a millionaire? No, obviously you said you started investing. Um, but do you like also make a salary now where you're like making a million dollars a year plus you're investing? Or I guess, could you clarify that? Yeah. So just to clarify so I want to, I want to create like a financial community, uh, like I put in my bio to like join me on this journey as I shoot for millionaire status. I'm not a millionaire yet. Um, oh, my okay, network okay, is like, thank you for clarifying that. I was confused about that. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll clean up my Twitter bio if this is this, this confusing, but like my, my net worth is like around like 550 grand or something along the line. So I'm, I'm slowly getting there, but, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, so that's like, like over halfway. That's still amazing. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, knowing after reading that book and knowing the military doesn't pay me as much, uh, what I decided to do was take finances into my own hand. And yeah, I do invest, but I also decided to get into real estate. Like, I, I love real estate. Um, so I started like buying houses, every duty station I go to. And now I just like rent it out and taking that money that I get for that cash flow from my rentals. And I started investing and saving, uh, saving that cash flow. Um, so yeah, not a millionaire yet. Uh, shout out to Anita in our, in our Twitter spaces. Uh, thank you for uh, showing support. So I'm not a millionaire yet, but what I want to do is I want to like show people my, my passion for investing and saving and just bringing people along. And hopefully I can help affect somebody. Someone can be like, you know what, if this guy can do it, then I can do it as well. I love that. I love people who, Follow the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. Some people say it's cliche. I say anything that's cliche is withstood the test of time. So cliche shouldn't be ignored or laughed off. They're actually incredibly powerful, even though, you know, quote unquote cliche. Um, I love that you're, you know, setting the example and opening yourself up. Uh, should, should we say like, hey, if anyone wants to, you know, ask you questions, they should DM you kind of thing. Are you open to that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm not like one of those, um, you know, those, I guess, influencers who are like, oh, if you want to talk to me and then you got to buy my course or anything like that. That's not true. Just hit me up in the DMs and I am gladly to talk about like what some of the stuff I did and what some of the stuff I know. Um, I'm going to tell you straight up, it's going to be all non-financial <laughs> advice because I'm not uh, registering anything. It's just something that I'm like, I said, uh, it's, it's one of my hobbies and I'm really passionate about. Now, another question I have for you, 
Um, you said you did some investing and then you got into real estate. Is it, uh, did you, did you have to do a certain amount of like non-real estate investing or stock market? I'm assuming stock market you're saying, um, like, did you have to do a certain amount of that to get to the point where you could afford to get into real estate? And also like, what is the cost to get into real estate? Yeah. So in my circumstances for investing in real estate is completely different than everyone else due to the fact that I have the, I can get, I have access to this loan called the uh, VA loan. Uh, and the VA loan allows me to buy a primary house with 0% down and I can use that loan multiple times. So for the most part, whenever I went to go buy a house in Denver or Jacksonville, Florida or up here in uh, Fernley, Nevada, I was just able to use a VA loan to put 0% down. Um, did I invest prior to help with my real estate? Not, not really. I mean, I, I did invest. Uh, I invest a lot. <laughs> I invest a lot, but it did. It, there was no correlation between my investing in stocks and crypto into real estate. I just want to invest in all. You know, I think uh, uh, just having investments and ownership is just extremely important to get that goal of you know being a millionaire or you know having that financial freedom. What we talked about earlier. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that sounds awesome. Uh, and I'm very impressed by everything you're saying, by the way. Like, like when I was like, oh, so you're not a millionaire? Like, that, that is not, like, a slight in any way. I hope you understand. You are way closer to being a, a millionaire than I am. So I'm impressed by everything you're saying here. I think it's awesome. Again, I think you're uh, being a positive role model. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, if you, you know, obviously, if you're a veteran and you have – access to this loan i think you know that should be the message for anyone you know who's in that uh position so you know if you're marketing to people i you know my piece of advice would be like you know go hard on that because that seems like a really good opportunity to take advantage of that not everyone has so it's like a niche i guess you could tap however my question is i'm obviously not in that niche as i've mentioned to you i'm not in the military if i want to you know get into real estate you're talking about this community of personal finance um you know, and not financial advice, of course, no one's, you know, holding, holding you to a legal standard here. We're just having a conversation. Everything's opinions. Um, but yeah, what is your opinion about, like, how do you get from, you know, either having nothing or, you know, having, you know, maybe 50 to a hundred thousand or something to, you know, having 500,000 or having enough to get into real estate? So, uh, that's, that's a great question. I appreciate it. Um, from what I've seen, I haven't personally done it, but from what I've seen and heard, like listening to millions of hours of podcasts and stuff like that, I think the best thing a person can do is, first off, have a nine to five. Have that nine to five job, a secure job. And then, you know, like Gary Vee says sometimes, it's like, you know, live with multiple friends if you can and just decrease your expenses as much as possible. Once you decrease your expenses, save the rest of that money, right? from your income afterwards if you are now interested in investing into real estate you can then go buy let's just say like a multifamily, right a uh, multifamily that you can reasonably afford go buy a multifamily using like a fha loan which only requires you to put uh 3.5 percent down payment so you then put that 3.5 percent down payment 
using this Wait, loan. Say that again. You could get. You said FHA. Yep. Could you explain that a little bit? Uh, like, like the loan itself. Well, I well, I don't know what FHA stands for. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, so a FHA loan is like a like uh, it's like a government backed mortgage loan that can help you buy uh like buy a house. Now, what it stands for, I, oh God, I'm trying to think in the back of my head. I think it's like federal housing administration. I have to get back to you, like on like what like what it like actually means. Uh, but it's like a agency that's like under the jurisdiction of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And what do you need to do to qualify for this? So all you need to really do is you need to have. Oh God, what is it? I'm trying to think of like like the qualifications, but one of the things you needed to do is you need to have a credit score. Oh God, I'm going to say between like 300, like 300 or above. Um, the best one is to be like above 500. Um, actually, I think the minimum requirement is like a 580 uh, minimum credit score. So that's like one of your eligibilities. Um, and obviously like whenever like you're buying a, uh, when, when you're using a FHA loan, you're, you're supposed to be buying a primary residence. So you can't be buying an investment property. So what that means is like, you have to like move in, live in it for a year before you can rent it out. But that doesn't mean that you can't like move in and then have other people living with you and collecting some sort of rent that way. Uh, that's called house hacking. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, that, that I mean, definitely answers a large quantity of the question. Uh, the one other thing I was looking for was how much money do you have to have saved up to realistically get into this? Uh, you know, that honestly depends on your, your area. Um, uh, I'll give an example. Uh, I, I had a friend who, who lives in Southern California. And he had to put down, um, what was it? I, I can't remember. So he had, he bought a almost million dollar house, right? And in order for him to put a down payment, like what is, what's like, uh, what's 1% of, oh yeah, so that's 10,000. So he had to put like $30,000 down for a, for a million dollar property. So yeah, it, it all depends on like what area he he's lived in South uh, SoCal, so it, it depends on the area. Um, because like you know, there's any places idea? like in the Sun Belt. If I live in New York, it's probably a little more expensive. Do you know like national like kind of average kind of thing or anything, or if you had to just guess or ballpark? So, the home prices is, is over like the national average is like over four hundred grand. The last time I checked, uh, this was like a couple of months ago. Because you know, like the past couple of years, like homes have been appreciating like crazy. Um, so you t you, you take that information, four hundred grand, like three point five is like four eight, like what, like twelve grand, put money down using an FHA loan. And what percent like a, that you need to put uh, on the overall cost, like for money down? 
Yeah, for the money down, it's a 3.5%. That's all you have to put down? Yep. And what is... FHA loan. What's the rate of interest on the loan? Ooh, that that depends, right? That depends on what lender you get, but it's it's comparable to like having other conventional loans. Okay, because I I mean I don't know I've never taken out a loan, so I I barely know anything uh, about it. But I guess what I'm thinking is, because then would you put yourself in a situation where now you have this loan and you're paying a rate back on the loan, but then you're also like, you know, you're gonna. So you're, you're buying, like, you could get a loan to buy the house full out is the thing. Like, I guess I'm wondering, like, are you still paying a mortgage in that scenario? And then you have rates on that? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, 100%. Because then you're yeah, getting 100%. with the rates, no? No, yeah, 100%. So not only you're paying, like, the, the mortgage down, like, the principal, but you are going to be charged, like, an interest rate as well. Um, and like I said earlier, the interest rates are just comparable to, like, a regular conventional loan or a or a VA loan as well. Right. So then obviously, despite like, you know, there being those kind of two extra factors of uh, accumulating interest, if you're doing this successfully and making money, then obviously, you know, the process that you use or the system or the method is something that the money that you make on the flip or when you end up selling is, you know, easily overcoming whatever these interest rates are. Could you? Yes, 100%. Yeah, of course. Could you explain that, uh, like what that process is? Like, like, how do you, you know, how do you go about, uh, I guess, selecting a house? Like, um, and then you said you have to live in it for a year. So I guess the plan would be you buy a house that you're going to live in that has extra rooms or like some sort of extra space or basement, something like that, that you said you can legally rent out with this loan. Um, and then, you, so you'd have to rent it at a rate that's high enough to be profitable compared to what you're paying back. Like, is that? Yeah, that's no. That is a hundred percent. That is like the 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 basic, and yeah, that's you're you're spot on. Um, and I, I mean, if you want to, I can kind of go over like what I look for. Um, so like like what I what I look for uh, when I was like buying my house in Jacksonville, Florida. The first thing you want to do is like you want to look at the city and its population. Does it have a population of, let's say, over 200,000 people? All right, it does. Cool. Check. Then you want to look at, all right, what is the uh, what is the job sectors like? Right. Is it like even or is it like primary in uh, something like uh, car industry? I kind of stick away from buying a place that's like has a heavy like heavy job sector, like this one job sector, because uh, then you get stuff like Detroit, right? It was heavily into the car manufacturing for decades. And then when it pulled away, that entire city just collapsed or well, pretty much collapsed, right? Um, so after you want to do that, then you want to look at what area, like some of the, like the best areas uh, within that city, right? You want to, you kind of want to look at the rent, like, like what it's like, what's the rent is going for in that area you want to look like the highest rent the lowest rent and like what's in the middle i generally like to go for like rent in the middle because that kind of tells me that i am more than likely to get a tenant so afterwards you then want to start looking for like houses and like different neighborhoods and you want to see like what 
that's when you start doing like the analysis saying, all right, so if I got a mortgage, a fixed 30 year mortgage for let's say like 200 grand or something like that, what is my more, my monthly mortgage payment, including the principal and the interest and taxes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, say for instance, uh, for Jacksonville, for me, it was like a thousand dollars, but because I did the prior research, I, I realized that rent in that area was going for like 1800. Right. So what I did was I, uh, I bought the place and originally I house hacked and someone was paying like half my, half my mortgage and I was able to save the rest of that. But afterwards I, uh, met my current wife and she moved in and I, I was paid the mortgage myself. Anyway, when I transferred to up here in Northwest uh, Nevada, I rent out my entire place in Jacksonville and the rent has only been going up ever since. Right. In that entire area. So I, I now rent out my place for like, uh, like 1900, no 1850 in Jacksonville. And also, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. I was able to refinance. So I was able to decrease my expenses. So my mortgage went from like 3.5% to now like 2.25%. Uh, from there, I was able to, uh, yeah, like I said, decrease my expenses and then also increase the amount I am charging for rent. And now uh, my mortgage is only like a $978 a month and I received eighteen fifty. Uh, not including the property management percentage. And now I, I cash flow like $705 per month from this. So yeah, there's a lot to take into account before you go off and you take out a loan and you buy a place. But primarily it's just like, all right, so what is the population like? What is the rent like? What can I reasonably afford and make profit and cash flow every month? Now, is that, you know, just something from experience? Like, you kind of learned it, you keep it in your head and you just like kind of know how to do it at this point or either at an earlier point or even now, is there some sort of anything written like a guideline you're following or anything like that? So it's, it's, it's primarily from experience. I'm, I'm learning as I go, you know? Um, and two, I listen and read all about like real estate, like every day, one book I can suggest if you want to get into this is called Rental Property Investing by Bigger Pockets. It's literally uh, the Bible of real estate. It breaks down everything like on a fifth grade level and it's very easy to follow. Um, also, I listen to their podcast as well called uh, uh, Bigger Pockets Podcast. And I mix those two from like listening and reading plus my experience to help me decide like where I'm going to buy next. Okay. But no, you don't have like some like written out workflow or document that you're like selling or a course or like something like that, that you market. No, nah, man. Um, you know, just like, uh, uncle Gary says sometimes like you don't, you really don't need like courses or anything like that. You just need to grind, put your, like everything's on Google, you know, search for it and then just grind. Right, yeah, everything's on either Google or YouTube, I mean, 100%. Mm -hmm. So let me uh, follow this out a little bit further. So you got to live in the house for the first year. Um, it, what What is the, uh, what's the mindset after that? Like, do you, do you, if you like living there, you just stay, you keep collecting rent? Like, are you, are you trying to flip as quick as possible? Like, what's the uh, thought? So for me, 
I I honestly don't like moving a lot. Uh, so what I do is, I, I'll give you an example. When I was living in Denver, Colorado, working with NSA, um, I bought a townhouse in, in Denver. And what I did was I lived in it the entire time I was there. And all I did was just get a new roommate. And they paid half of my rent and utilities. And I just did that. And then when that roommate left, I got another roommate and did the exact same thing over and over. And then once I got new, I got orders to move to a different city. That's when I fully rented it out. So it's not like you plan to flip from the beginning. It's like it, the system that, you know, with the rent, like that, that itself should be sustainable unless you have some reason where you're you just like keep living there. Yeah, pretty much. And if you wanted to get to the point, so yeah, that that's, that's brilliant. That's a great system. So let me just commend you for that. I think that sounds really smart. Um, you know, obviously I had never thought of that. And yeah, of course. And you know, now, now that you've said that, you said, I hope at least one person, you know, I'm, I don't know, you know, how far I'll get with this, but it's definitely something that now you've piqued my interest for a long time. I've wanted to know more about real estate and I guess I just, you know, didn't do the work of going to YouTube or whatever, but I, I like to learn things often from a person. I find it's easier that way of, you know, it's it's not an excuse not to learn things on YouTube, of course. Like, if, if you want to get something, fucking hustle and grind. Um, you know, so I, I never wanted it bad enough for that. There's other things that I'm working on. You know, I have other kind of passions. But given that I do prefer to learn things from a person, I'm always grateful for the opportunity. And I really love and enjoy and appreciate, um, you know, when I meet a person who could tell me a little bit more, I could ask back and forth questions because, yeah, like with a YouTube video, you can't ask the questions. So it takes a little bit longer to learn. Again, definitely the way to go if you're passionate. But if it's something that's more of a side interest, it's just such an awesome opportunity to have you to talk to uh, and learn a little bit more about this. Let me uh, let me ask this as well. So you, you got somebody who you said was paying about half of your rent. Uh, then you, you know, you pay the rent, you said, recommend having a nine to five. Um, I don't, I, I guess I, maybe the math for this in my head, I'm trying to think. So, so then you pay off, I guess, if someone's paying half your rent, I guess, how quickly does it help you to pay off like the whole thing? Uh, well, it doesn't help me to quickly pay off the, uh, the mortgage, like my mindset is that like, I could, I could pay off the mortgage early and then I'll be free and clear. However, though, back in the day or like just a few years ago, it was better to put your money into the stock market because the stock market was hot. Right. So that's, that's what I did. I just put it in the stock market, uh, because I was getting like greater returns at, the, at that point. Oh, okay. So I think I got like slightly, uh, off. So, I was imagining it that the person half your rent, but then you're going to extra money in. No, you're, you're having them pay extra money for you to talk. And then you said, you're doing that money back in the stock market. Yep. Yep, 100%.
in terms of, uh, like I said, I, I know you said your, you know, your primary drive is real estate, um, but clearly, you know, the market is kind of part of this model that you have. What, when you're going to look at the stock market, again, not financial advice, but what are the thoughts that you have or consider? Oh, uh, so let me start off by saying, like, I am by no means an expert at the at the stock market. But like what I do, like how I invest, it's just like very simple, extremely simple. Um, shout out to Earn Your Leisure and uh, Ian Dunlap. But I like to invest in like the best companies. Like which company has the most like... We'll say that again. You you did a shout out. Who who are you shouting out? Who are those people? Oh, uh, uh, shout out to the media group Earn Your Leisure and the investor Ian Dunlap. Ian Dunlap. Uh, but I I like to invest like very simple. I go for the best companies in the world. I'm just keeping the context here. You're shouting them out. Th those are the people. Those are your mentors. You're saying those are people you've learned from. Oh yeah, those are my investing mentors. They in person or on me. uh just through social. And I guess do you have direct contact like on socials? You're DMing, going back and forth with them. Like, do you pay for a course or like? No, I I don't pay for a course. They just provide investing knowledge and game for free through their social media. And you can speak to them though, or it's like they just put it out and it's articles and you learn that way. Yeah, you can yeah, you can just learn from them or you can actually like join their uh course or whatnot. You can speak to them. Okay, but then to get that direct access to ask questions, that that is a course with these guys. Yep. Okay, cool. Go ahead. So so are you but you're not in the, the paid access course, you're just doing it. Uh, following them, so where where are you following them? Uh, Twitter or th it's like a website. Uh, following them on YouTube, Instagram, primarily. Okay, cool. Um, sorry, go ahead. I I know I keep cutting you off, but I you know I I don't know if other listeners are having the same questions, but just in case they do, you know, I just like to ask the questions that I have that come up, uh, so people could you know kind of keep track. But go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I was just saying, I like to. In keep it really simple when investing I invest in like some of the best companies in the world Apple Microsoft Google and then when I'm not investing into individual stocks I just invest into index funds like uh, the S&P 500 um, this one ETF that I have like th almost 30 shares in it's called VOO which follows the S&P 500 um, and the S&P 500 is just a, I like to describe it as just like a basket of the 500 best companies in the United States. And um, yeah, it's just a, the 500 best companies in the United States. And VA, VOO, they like to- Best best defined, I'm guessing, by profit, like number? Yeah. And, um, like the way they have it, like by percentage is like, yeah, like, uh, Apple being the had like by market cap is the most valuable company in the world. Like they put a higher percentage into, uh, VAO. So they invest like, uh, I want to say like 6%, like 6% of their fund 
is go is uh is investing into Apple and the next is Microsoft and a percentage is in Amazon and Google and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's something uh I'm a little bit in the stock market as well. That's where I've made some of you know my extra money and got some gains. I I would say I have a similar strategy where I keep it a little bit simple. Um let me ask you this. Are you an investor you would classify yourself as um, or is any part of you a trader? Like when, when do you sell? Do you sell or, you know, ha have you even never sold? You're still just building or, you know, where, where are you with uh, the selling mentality? Oh man, that's, uh, that's an awesome question. And I'm going to ask you the same thing afterwards. I just, I'm just a buy and hold dude. I, I just buy and hold that might, that might not be the best strategy in the world. You know, because taking profit, you'll never go broke. That is the truth. But I just buy and I just hold for for the long term. What about yourself? I'll answer that. But to clarify, so you've you've never sold anything, or like, like if you need money, you sell a little bit of something, or you you've literally you haven't sold anything yet. So I've I've sold some stocks, like bad stocks, before. Uh, back when the meme craze was going on with AMC. I knew it was a bad eye. Like, I just knew, like, this. there's no way this is sustainable. But I'm going to put some, like, you know, I think I put, like, maybe 200 bucks towards it or something along the lines. I, I bought some stock. It rose up a lot. And, like, the first sign of a pullback, I just sold. I don't do that regularly. regularly. Like, that's just not my style. But I have sold stocks before. Like, either, like, a, like that meme stock or a stock that I've had like over a year and it's a bad performer. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to cut my losses and just move on. Okay. Basically uh, then you sell usually no, usually not a trader. If there's an opportunity that comes along, that looks really good. You've got your ears and eyes and, you know, mind out to the market. So you may go for that and try to capitalize on a trading opportunity. Like, you know, you said you did with kind of like a meme stock, um, but it's not part of the overall strategy to, you know, be buying and trying to trade. It's more of like a buy and hold. And then at some point in the future, you know, if you need it or when you need it, you know, then you'll have it for whatever, you know, purchase or whatever you're using it for, or, you know, you have a, an accumulation and you, you know, don't necessarily need to sell it. And if you, you said you have like Apple, um, Apple's a dividend stock, so you could collect the dividends and make money that way. Uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Let me answer your question. I don't want to you know get too far away from that. I, for a long time, I was just like you and I was doing well, right? Like, you know, I was happy just, you know, over, over, I don't know, five, 10 years or eight, whatever it was, however long, uh, I've been in the market, you know, things overall went up, you know, there was not really, too many things I was down on and same thing. If I saw something or heard something in the news and I saw something in my portfolio and thought, okay, yeah, like th this could be bad, you know, same thing, kind of trim the hedges kind of thing, do the maintenance, keep an eye on it. Um, and then I got greedy and, or I don't know, greedy, like, yeah, maybe a little bit greedy, right. Or, you know, kind of more motivated or whatever it was. Um, I got like ambitious, but to some extent, overly ambitious because then I started trading, uh, you know, and obviously not proud of this, but lost like a considerable amount of money, several thousand dollars trying to, you know, make a few thousand dollars. I ended up losing a few thousand dollars. Um, 
So I think for now, I'm going back to the other strategy of just doing what I've done that's worked for me, trying to play things long term. Because uh, like you said, as part of your strategy, I do have a nine to five job. So it's not like I'm selling because, oh, like, you know, this is I, I need this and I couldn't afford like, no, I was I was just trying to play the game. I was trying to make money. Um, and like I said, I ended up playing a little too close to the sun on some things or whatever. So, yeah, but and even though that happened, there's a part of me that wants to learn more. Uh, I just think I, I don't know. I, you know, I watched some things on YouTube. I think I got overconfident. I thought I knew more than I did or something like that. So I do kind of have this urge to someday be more of a trader, but I, I learned my lesson, you know, in the bull market, there were points where I was making, you know, lots of money. Um, I don't even know if I fully did the math. If, if, you know, the, the amount I lost, maybe I ended up back at zero. I don't I don't even know if I lost money 100% long-term. Um, I, I never just, like, ran the numbers on it. But there was a point where I was making lots of money. That's that's why I was into it. That's, that's why I did it for a while. And then, you know, the kind of bear market hit, and it's like, oh, I have no idea how to navigate a bear market. It's apparently way – I'm not apparently. It's obviously way easier to make money in a bull market, but I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't account for it correctly. I didn't realize. And then I was like, ah, fuck. Like I lost a lot of the profits that I had gained through the trading I was doing. Um, I think probably all of them. So I, or all, if not most or all of them, you know, in the end, not the worst thing in the world, right? Like big, big picture perspective, because I probably kind of ended up back at zero or lost like a little bit more than that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I try to be a positive person. And to me, it's it's all learning experience. I see myself winning long term. So I, I take the hit, I take the lesson, and I go forward uh, looking to build myself. Sorry, I know that was long-winded, but... Uh, oh, no, dude, I, I love it. I love sometimes, sometimes I just go in. Hey, man, I, I love that, man. I feel like all of us have to get punched in the face, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes, like you said, like, we, we get overconfident. We, we don't really keep our nose in the books and like learning on the ground and everything. Like you said, we get overconfident and then, yeah, we just need to get punched in the face. But like you, like you just said, you'll win in the long run. Like you'll, you'll look at, you'll look back at this and see it's just a bump in the road. Um, I have a question for you uh, following up on that. Do you see yourself trading v and book games uh, in the near or near future or uh, yeah, in the future, like years from now? So book games, I, I didn't come into VFriends specifically during that period. Um, I'm a long-term Gary V fan and watcher, but at different levels of paying attention and enthusiasm over the years. So despite watching Gary V for longer than a lot of people I've even met that have VFriends, like, I don't know, maybe 10 or whatever so years I've been watching Gary V. Um, I don't know, bro. It's fucking dumb. Like, I... I like in my head, I thought, yeah, Gary Vee's right about everything, but these NFT things scare me. And what if this is the one thing he's like wrong about? And it's like, no, it's not literally right about everything. And he's been, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, what if one of this is the things he's wrong? Like I got fucking, you know, wrapped in the doubt and the fear. So I didn't get into that period. Then later I thought, oh my fucking God, I love this NFT shit. I should have got in from the beginning. I want to be on board with it. Um, so after that, no, I didn't have any book games, but yeah, I have done a little bit of buying and selling and trading with uh, 
with V friends with the series too. Um, I, I've definitely made some money that way. I I haven't really sold anything at a loss. Um, like I said, like even if I lost literally everything, I'd be fucking devastated, of course, emotionally. But I have the nine to five, so I'd wake up tomorrow and you know, essentially tomorrow would be the same as today. Um, but luckily, yeah, like, you know, thing, things are, thing, I've bought things that I have that if I sold them right now, then I would be selling at a loss. So some people would be like, okay, so you lost money or you're losing money. My perspective is I'm holding, you know, long-term. I feel very confident, could be wrong, whatever. I feel confident that in some period of time, I don't know, three years, two year, two to five years, like, I don't think more than five years ish, like honestly, maybe more, whatever, but I can hold for that period. I feel confident that eventually Gary V is a very strong operator and that he is going to drive the price in one way or shape or another of VF2, you know, past, past the mint price uh, that they originally cost because I, you know, I just think he has like a positive type ego. Like sometimes people use ego. It's a negative thing, but he has this, positive ego this positive like pride and and passion and you know people say okay he could get tired of this he could move on to another thing he could quit yes i see this as being one of his like long-term kind of lifetime dreams so unless something kind of like oh he gets to buy the jets like out of nowhere and then he kind of gets a little more focused on that someone brought that up to me and i was like yeah i guess i guess that's a concern if he got there way quicker than people thought but the way I think about it is that's going to take him, you know, over five years. Uh, and at the very least, before that happens, he's going to fucking work like a motherfucker, bro. And he's going to fucking drive the price up. And I don't think he's someone who wants the overall price, like, at, you know, five years from now to be fucking less than what they originally cost. People are, like, still selling them for losing money. So I think just because he's so driven, like even if that's the way the market was playing out and started to go that direction, that's what I think, you know, defines a strong operator. I think he would react to it. And I think he would, even if he didn't react right the first way, he just keeps fucking going, man. Like he fucking eats and swallows failure and fucking seconds. He's back on his feet. You know, some people fail and need a day. Some people need a fucking year to recover from certain types of, every fucking needs Seconds to fucking recover from failure. He doesn't see failure. He's lessons. He's learning from this fucking shit. Um, so technically, yes, to answer your question, I'm trading. If I sold things now, some of the things I ended up holding, and it's like, okay, he has money on this. Um, but I trade a lot of things. I like to buy like shoes, uh, sneakers and stuff. I've bought like art online, I've like paintings and stuff. Um what else uh like figurines like the cause i don't know if you've heard of that that kind of shit so part of my side hustle in addition to having the nine to five in addition to having you know my kind of own clothing brand and a podcast that type of shit i'm also always trying to fucking do the shit gary talks about and make a flip on whatever the fuck you can make a flip on so yes i've i've traded nfts i've uh definitely i believe one one nft i got like fucking fun and i sold it at a loss and whatever there's ones that I know that will never go up that at some point I'm just going to sell a loss or fucking eat and that's a loss. But uh, I think overall I'm up on NFTs, like, with the amount that uh, that I've made and traded. I, I've, I've made pretty good moves in the NFT space. 
nice, brother. I personally, uh, so first of all, I just want to say I, I 100% agree with you. In the next, in the next several years, I think we're all going to be eating good due to the fact that Gary V is a person you can put your trust into, that he's going to grind, he's going to work, and ensure that his successes, he's going to bring everyone along meaning like be friends. So I, uh, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, I, I have not sold anything in the, actually, that's a, that's a lie. I, my first book game that I got, I sold that back in April, but that's the only thing I've sold. Everything else I just bought and held uh, because, yeah, just like you, I, I believe in the long term. I think like, you know, let's say 20, 2030 or something like that when be friends is a little bit fleshed out. Uh, you know, that include the book deals, the Netflix deals, and like whatever type of deals, like the new generations and people who have not gotten into it, they're going to be wanting these these NFTs, right? And I think that will be the play that everyone can execute, where they can sell like a less favorable V friends that they have in their portfolio. They can sell off that for like a for a nice chunk of change. Like the question that, you know, people who are experienced and advanced traders would say or ask or the, the floor or whatever the downside they'd bring up is, okay, but there's like, you know, proof that if you took all of your money out of this on this day, put it into this and then sold this on this day, you literally would have like doubled your money, could have bought all the fucking assets you had back, you know, and then still had the other half left. Yeah, that that's like the quote unquote downside of having a long term mindset in trading uh, you always could have made more, but I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I have, I have an ambition for wealth. I, I just don't think that way about it every second, every time I, I'm not at that level of ambition or greed or whatever it is where, you know, I'm thinking like, oh fuck, like it doesn't upset me that much to see, oh, I could have put this into ApeCoin, fucking made a quick, I could have fucking also lost all of that. And that was my point about the trading before, like when I did try to get into that and, got like too excited or emotional. I ended up fucking starting to lose when up until now, you know, I basically only went up and, you know, for me emotionally, I, I just feel better. It's easier. It's less stressful. I could focus on my day job, taking care of my family, other parts of my life. If I'm not constantly looking at fucking some shit that I'm trading, that I'm scared to lose and all that shit. So even though y you could make more until I really get my knowledge level up on that shit, um, I'm avoiding some of it, but if I was going to trade something, I think V friends is one of the things that I, I look at it a lot. Anyway, I, I like to look at the floor, not even like from a stressful way, like just to see how the project's going. What's the price? Like, what are people selling at? And if you look at it enough, sometimes you'll just be looking at it and you'll be like, holy shit, like that's kind of listed pretty fucking low. You know, you buy it, you list it a little higher. Hopefully it fucking flips. But then again, my mindset on the long term is. If not, I'll just hold it. And I also like the part where you go to the events, you get to redeem some fucking merch. So if you could hold it for five years, you, you could get, you know, three, four, five years worth of benefits and redeeming some shit. Maybe you sell some of that. Maybe that helps, you know, offset some of the price, um, you know, and then you sell it when it's up. Let me uh, also just throw attention time. I'm We're definitely over the hour. Sometimes I go a little bit over because, you know, we're just having fun here. I love the conversations. But I do try to have some consistency and especially not to keep the episodes too long for listeners. Um, so I'll say, you know, let's go ahead and start to close out here. 
I usually give the end of the podcast uh, for the guests to kind of just like super shill if you want to, or, you know, if you have anything, you know, like if you were, if you had a book coming out, you'd be like, this is the name. It's coming out on this day. I'm signing it here. That type of shit. Um, or if not, then, you know, we'll run for like five, 10 more minutes. Cause you know, I just, I, I give the guests this opportunity always. Um, but I ran past the point where I usually would ask cause we're having so much fun at this point. Do you have anything you kind of want to put out there? Super chill, you know, some sort of big message for the audience, mic drop moment, anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I can just want to say a couple of things. First of all, thank you for having me and running this, uh, this space. It's been absolutely blast. Just talking about some of my experiences, what I've done in the military and also on my journey to become a millionaire. And thanks to everyone who's uh, who was in this space while we're sharing it. Uh, another thing I just wanted to say too was, uh, you know, just do me a favor, just follow me on most of all my social media platforms, like, um, and, uh, you know, just join in on the journey. And last but not least, it's like, if you ever, if anyone is ever like, Thinking about getting into wait 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 oh, I'm sorry once again how many how many social media platforms are you on for people to follow you I'll absolutely follow you I like what an easy way to support someone uh, where and how do I do that and how many places okay so I have a Instagram it's just um, it's Rob Wash eighty seven on Instagram um, and then I'm trying to think on my YouTube right now. Uh, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's just Rob. This is Rob Washington, personal finance. Uh, you should be able to find it. Sorry, you cut out. Your YouTube is Rob what? Rob Washington, personal finance. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just want to make sure, like, you know, people could actually do what you're asking because... Oh, yeah, um... Can you guys hear me? A link tree type thing for your uh, for your Twitter page, and that would just make it really easy. So you know, later if you've added by then, they'll just be able to click your Twitter page, uh, look at your bio, go to your link tree. That'll have all the places you know you want people to follow you on, and you know I think it just facilitates uh, getting more followers that way. But you were also going to say I believe something about wanting to join uh, the military and a message to people uh, who have that in mind. Oh, yeah. No, what I was going to say is, like, if anyone's ever thought about uh, getting into real estate, well, just one oh, thing I just wanted see, to I, say. I'm, I'm so sorry I set you up wrong. I'm my bad. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, it's all good. Like, the way I see it, if you look at history, like, the most powerful men and women throughout our, our history on this earth is people who own real estate, right? People who have gone to war for thousands of years over land. It's one of the most powerful wealth building tools uh to ever exist in human history so if you're thinking about it like why not take that chance it doesn't mean to buy in the middle of nowhere where no one lives and nowhere's going to buy you know it's all about location but um yeah just take that chance and that's all i got love to hear it uh 
like we said, we want to inspire people on the podcast. We want to share passions. We want to help people and have a positive impact on the world. Rob is someone who is aligned on this mission. Uh, like he said earlier, if you have any questions, please reach out to him. Please DM him. Please let him help you. Help him help you. Ask the questions. Learn about real estate. Learn about how to invest so you could have that financial freedom. So you can get to a point in your life where you're just spending your time the way you want to spend your time. Um, you thank me for having you on. I want to thank you right back for being on. Like I said at the beginning, I'm always grateful to have a guest. I'm grateful for the time you choose to spend with me uh, and the parts of your life that you chose to and were willing to share. The last thing I always say on the show, uh, it's a little shout out to my friend Afakasi Brand, who's also on Twitter. He does the barbershop spaces. So feel free to check him out. Just type it in in the search and he'll come up. Uh, he likes to say, if you haven't heard it today, you are loved. So that is the message. You are loved. If you're a listener, you know, you're feeling down, whatever it is, even if you're feeling great, whoever you are, you are loved. Doesn't matter your circumstances. Uh, the universe is made of energy, positive energy and love and light. I choose to believe that. And you could believe that that energy that creates the universe, that that is love itself. So not only are you loved, you are love itself. And when you get to the light uh, of self-awareness and the psychological growth. You will radiate love to others and just spread love like a candle lighting hundreds of other candles. So remember you are love, you are loved. And again, thank you for listening so much. Please like and share the space and have a great day. You are loved.